This edition of Farming the Countryside is brought to you by Pivot Bio Proven 40 OS. The nitrogen you need, now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com. And by Nationwide and their farm certified agents. Where might your farm and home not be protected? Go to nationwide.com slash Andrew for answers to help protect your next. Welcome to Farming the Countryside. I'm Andrew McCray. Perhaps you've heard of short stature corn, which is scheduled to have a larger rollout next year to interested farmers. I took a look for myself and will provide an update on the pros and cons of the new technology. Plus, on this edition of the show, we'll get a fall crop update with tips and ideas that may work where you live. Those are our topics for this week's Farming the Countryside, brought to you by Pivot Bio. Farmers have faced many challenges regarding nitrogen needs for their corn crops over recent years, and these past few seasons I've been using Pivot BioProven 40 to provide my corn with nitrogen when it needs it, no matter the weather. Now that predictability is available right in the corn seed, Pivot BioProven 40 on seed gives growers even more flexibility with their nitrogen plan. It's the first on seed nitrogen, and all U.S. corn growers have access to the game changing technology. Pivot Bio products contain naturally occurring microbes that fix nitrogen from the air and provide it directly to corn plants all season long. I hope you'll learn more. Just contact your local sales rep or go to pivotbio.com. And this week's show brought to you by my friends at Nationwide. You may know, besides posting these programs, of course, I'm a farmer and rancher, and like me, you probably have insurance, but maybe you don't give it much thought after that. And that can be a big problem if you aren't protected. That's why I've partnered with Nationwide, the number one farm insurer in the U.S. Founded by farmers nearly a century ago, they're committed to keeping us safe and protected. They helped me see a lot of what I'd overlooked. For instance, are you protected from a ransomware attack? Have you covered the bases when it comes to passing your farm or land on to the next generation? Go to nationwide.com slash Andrew, where I host short videos on these topics and many more. That's nationwide.com slash Andrew, where Nationwide helps us see what we may have overlooked. I recently had a chance to attend a field day and customer event hosted by Kyle Allen over in Hawk Point, Missouri, which is just northwest of St. Louis. One of the items I was most interested in was a plot of short-stature corn. Perhaps you've heard of it, but if not, it's simply corn that is substantially shorter than conventional corn, yet should maintain the same yield with higher plant populations. And that gives the grower more options to spray, fertilize, or use other applications using a ground rig throughout the season, since the corn is shorter. It's technology that I've been very interested in because of the flexibility it could offer our operation. In the first half of this week's show, I visited with Jeff Bingham as we stood next to that plot of short-stature corn. Not to give too much away, but if you took a look at this plot, well, you might reconsider using it. But that's the point of this interview, to evaluate and look at the possibilities of what's coming down the road. So we're standing in front of short-stature corn here. Most people have at least heard of it, but some haven't even seen it. Since this is radio, they can't see it. You may want to talk about what we got here because this uh, looks like sweet corn in some ways. Actually, it's it's shorter than our sweet corn. We use some Roundup Ready sweet corn, and it's actually taller than this this corn. This is just here. We have two different varieties. Both were 112 day corn. Uh, like you said, this is radio. You can't see it, uh, so you have to take my word for it. Uh, one has an ear placement of about oh 24 to 30 inches off the ground. 
the other 112 day is probably somewhere between 12 and 18 inches. So uh, I would suggest that this second variety that's short, uh, not to plant it in a terrace field, which is what we have here quite a bit. So uh, otherwise, you're not going to uh, be able to shell it at all. Do you think, I mean, it's obviously going to be shorter. How much did weather conditions have with as short as it is, or do you have an idea, should it have been a little taller? So the intention intention of the short corn is, is for it to end up at six feet tall. Okay, and we're probably standing here probably closer to four foot on the shorter stuff. The uh, the taller corn with the ear placement's up a little higher. It's probably getting close to close to five and a half, almost six. So uh, I, I would assume that that ear placement on on the other variety is is probably about normal. Okay, somewhere around that two foot mark. But weather then definitely had weather something to do with it. Yes, we we went uh, somewhere close to fifty two days without a rain. Uh, and even then, when we got when we got one, you know, after that, you know, it was two tenths, three tenths. So it wasn't until it wasn't until early August that we even got a substantial rain. So uh, I would suspect that even even ear fill and ear size is going to be dramatically reduced. You guys were talking about the different varieties because obviously you have you know what we'll call regular corn uh, height over here. Any difference in how they stood the drought, or did they just seem to both suffer through they, the drought? They both, they both suffered. They, you, you could, you know, uh, the, the office is about, oh, I don't know, 100 feet away, and you could look out the window on those days when it got, you know, 118 uh, degree uh, heat index was 118. Anyway, it got like 109. Uh, these turned about as white as a sheet of paper. And when you drove by on the road, then you could see down, you could see all the way. These aren't, they're only, uh, let's see, I think they're 500 feet long. And you could actually see all the way through from one end to the other. Everything was curled up and as tight as could be. We may have seen one of the worst years to try to plant this, though, here. Is that right, do you think? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. That You know, we definitely know that the, the, the drought hurt it. Uh, it. It's not a very good indicator of, of its potential, so... With this plot this year, I know part of the idea is, is, okay, it's short so we can get over it with a ground rig and do all that. Did you change anything, that how you applied any fungicide or anything with this that being short or not? No, we did not. We, we treated it just like tall corn, so we didn't change anything. Uh, we still sprayed it with fungicide. Matter of fact, because here again, when we sprayed fungicide you know, with the tall corn, we used a helicopter. So, instead of, so here again, it was, these plots are... You know they're not very far apart, so it was just as easy to use one rig instead of you know because they're only they're only half acre plots. Talk about planting population. How was that different with the short stature versus so our normal? So our uh, our standard corn, uh, we planted at thirty one thousand five hundred. Uh, the short stature we planted at thirty eight thousand. The intention of the short corn is the fact of the you know here again we're in Missouri. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb and think it's a little more northern corn than than for you know because here again their their limiting factor is the is the number of ears that they can get so they're wanting to plant it at 44,000 okay uh, here uh, our soil type just wouldn't handle wouldn't handle that population I don't think to begin with without you know some uh, drastic management of some sort so we treat it the same. When you go through this, it hasn't been picked yet. The ears are certainly smaller. I guess you'd guess that it would be, but where do you think that's going to come out on yield compared to the conventional corn? Here again, that's that could be you know that, that that's a crapshoot. Uh, you've got 
more ears. But the ears, the, you pull in these ears, they're at least half the size of our conventional corn. Okay? I don't know, I personally don't think that, you know, even though we've added an extra, you know, six, 8,000 ears, uh, that it's going to be enough to make up, you make up the difference. So, here again, the, the drought, the, the drought hurt this dramatically, really did. Right. What do you think it's going to be like to harvest this thing? Uh, I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, luckily, here again, getting back to that point of, of not having, you know, around here in this area, terraces aren't uncommon, okay? You could, you, you would not be able to get low enough to, uh, the, the head low enough to even get on a terrace, you know, with this. Uh, the snoots will definitely have to rub the ground, uh, which here again, in this case, you know, we're, we're flat. Uh, I know there's no humps. We'll get through it. But uh, ear size, with it being, here again, the ear size is small. Uh, so the uh, deck plates will have to be have to be closed up as much as possible. Otherwise, we're gonna but we're gonna inchel it and, and run it right through the rollers. I know that it's kind of hard to know, but what do you see though coming down the road? Do we we'll probably get a little bit better at this? So do you think that sure. there are benefits, and what do you think will happen down the road with the short stature? Sure, there, it, it, it's early. You know, this here again. This is only this is our first year of having it been in a plot. Okay, I mean so. That, uh, and genetics continue to evolve. Uh, so the reason why the reason why we have it here is uh, I'm going to assume for the fact that we want to find out what is wrong with it. Okay, what what needs to be fixed and what can we do to, to make it better? Okay, uh, so we we definitely going to put it on, on on the stress table here. So uh, sure, I would I would think that it would it could get better. Well, and it sounds like the idea down the road is to be able to take that gene and put it into existing hybrids, and so perhaps that will make a big difference down the road as well. Sure, if we can take if we can take a variety that's normally twelve foot tall and shorten it down to maybe eight foot tall, uh, you're going to definitely change the green snap number on you know the green snap rating on it, and and hopefully move that you know there, there's some varieties that, that that ear ends up being shoulder high, you know if we can move that down to waist high. Uh, it, it would definitely help things. Going to the conventional corn to kind of wind up, any things that you learned this year? I mean, it was a tough year growing-wise and weather-wise, but any things that worked or didn't work? And maybe it was that it was just it was just a tough year. It's just tough. You, you have no control over the weather. You know, if I could have, you know, I don't mind it getting dry, you know. I think, I, I personally think that, you know, a little dry weather helps corn, you know, makes it root down, you know, you're going to get a good, going to get a good stable root base, you know, and, and then get a shower. But, uh, you know, if we could have got a shower somewhere within that 50 days, you know, an inch rain would have made a world of difference. But we didn't get it. So we can't do anything about that. So, so you go out, you go out each season and you, you know, you, you do what you've what you do best you know you, you do the best you can and sometimes you have no control over mother nature would there have been a good time to plant corn this year or to have the right dated corn or was it just going to be difficult no matter what now in 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 this area in years past in the last couple of years uh we've had corn planted early april uh we've had corn planted uh early june uh the last two years the june corn's out yielded the April corn, okay. Here again, all that was because of timing. June corn got that got a rain late July or so. Uh, it was already too late for the early April corn. Uh, I think this year is probably going to work out the same. Uh, believe you know we don't have we, we 
it was so dry in this you know this year early that everybody got it planted so we had a lot we've got a lot of early april corn we've got some early may corn uh i think the later the corn was planted the better it's going to be just because you know we we had that hot weather and you know it didn't we didn't get the pollination and the ear fill and you know we've had plenty of moisture since then uh my corn i ended up planting mid-may uh it didn't it didn't even tassel until after we got through all the hot weather so uh, and then after that you know we got some showers so we've had you know we've had four or five inches since it's tasseled so that that rain that's that's enough rain to make to make corn it's like every year it can always be different can it sure sure but we, we we do it because it's what we do you know you know we're I, I carry a Gambler's Anonymous card in my billfold, you know, because every, you know, you know, I tell my wife, you know, I, did, you know, I, you know, I, I spent this X amount of money today on, on uh, top dress, I, you know, it, you know, usually it, it's got to rain, you know, to make it work, and it hadn't been raining, you know, so, you know, I, we got, I got lucky, you know, I got a, we got a little three tenths rain, you know, melted it down, got it, you know, got it tiered to the ground, and, and hopefully it worked, so, we'll find out in. 30 days when we when we harvest. Good. I appreciate the time. Thank you. In the second half of this week's show, I visited with farmer Dale Ryan. As you'll hear, he covers many acres of a wide geography in east central and northeast Missouri. The topic dominating conversations in that area of the country this year has been drought. We spent some time discussing those conditions, but also what their operation is doing on those acres, and perhaps what we can learn or try for the acres we farm. My name is Dale Ryan. I live in Silex, Missouri, but uh, I work for my cousin farm, and we farm from Forestall out to Madison, Missouri. Those that aren't familiar with where you live, just talk about kind of the geography and, and the acres and so forth you're covering in this part of Missouri here. Uh, I live in east-central Missouri, but we farm from east-central Missouri out towards central Missouri. So we have a pretty wide range of soil types. We've got anything from your red clay soil, and we have some better we got some river bottoms out along the Luder River out in Montgomery City, and then we got some stuff out around Mexico, some of that more your loam, silt loam kind of type ground out there, too, that can be your high-producing ground also. So we we farm a wide variety. So when it comes to seed selection, you got to be on top of your game where you're putting stuff. Well, I wanted to ask that. You know, we talk a lot about seed selection, but you've really got to think about it. Just walk through the process because a lot of us – perhaps don't think that much about it as, as the way you do. Do you have a process? Are you relying on somebody? How do you make the decision? Uh, when it comes to our corn products, I sit down with our salesmen, and we go through all our corn fields, and we kind of just, they ask me what we got, and we kind of base it that way on a hybrid what we're going to put there. When it comes to our bean ground, which we buy a lot of our beans, our channel beans from our seed men, Kyle Allen, and me and Kyle will talk on the phone all the time about He'll call me, ask me what kind of ground are we looking at, if it should be offensive, defensive, and then we kind of go from there. And he's he's got a pretty good feel for what this ground is around here too, just from his numerous years also. So that helps out a lot too. And I know I always have faith in him that he's not going to give me a bean that's not going to perform. Yeah. Have you experimented any with trying to variable rate or variable hybrids uh, on the go, or what have you been doing with all the acres? Uh, the corn hybrids, we have done some um, multi-hybrid. We got a multi-hybrid planter. We've done that uh, variable rate some years, but then here lately we've just been kind of basing off of 
with talking with our seed dealer, we kind of plant certain hybrids in certain parts of the field in case we decide we want to fungicide one hybrid instead of another. I'm always a big fan of trying to plant two hybrids on a farm just so we make sure we don't kind of put our eggs all in one basket in case one hybrid doesn't perform. Well, I wanted to ask that. How has that worked for you? Has it been so you don't have have a complete strikeout, or do you find that sometimes you just wish it was all <laughs> the same? Oh, uh, we've definitely had that. We wish we had it's all the same, but there's been some years that some years you can't tell the difference, but then some farms it like man, I wish I'd have planted this whole farm in this hybrid because it's. 20 bushel better on the corn side compared to the beans the beans we we run a john deere air drill and we pretty much just plant them the last couple of years we've been just running about 165,000 population i know some people probably think that's too much but at times we just we've had thin beans and we just want to make sure we get the stand out to begin with and we just kind of set it at that and run the whole time with the variable rate on the corn though it must be or the variable hybrid on the corn it must be something that's working for you though because you keep doing it we're using the variable rate planter to carry two different hybrids in case we want to split a field or there's two different fields there and want to plant one in different numbers. So you aren't doing it so much with soil types as just to get two different numbers yeah. in a field? Yes, we're not really doing more on the soil type. We're doing more just trying to spread our risk out a little bit too and just place the hybrid that is best to perform there. I mean, like I said, we farm 4,700 acres this year. We had about 2,500 acres of corn and there were for a while, a few years, we were getting having seven, eight hybrids of corn, different hybrids of corn we were planting. And the boss, which is my cousin Doug, he wanted to try and simplify it, then get down to a couple more of a. We were trying to plant about four to six hybrids and have like three of your offensive and three of your def, defensive type hybrids yeah. just yeah. to make it easier on. Because it's not necessarily myself or him loading the seed tender. It just makes it easier for our guys when we need to send somebody to get corn for us, too. Yeah, yeah. You've had, should we say, difficult conditions for the last several years in this area, right? Uh, probably a lot across a lot of the acres you're farming. Oh, yeah. This year, it's wide-ranging. I mean, like I said, we farm from Forest Hill, Missouri, all the way out to Madison. And we got a lot of ground in Montgomery City area, Truxton, Williamsburg. And I hate, usually our corn and forest oh, it wouldn't be our best, but this year they've seemed to catch a lot more rains. I mean, we got a lot of corn out in Madison that if it makes 50 bushels, we're going to be happy with that. And the thing was, it was nothing we did. It was our best year planting. We were out actually just this Wednesday, went out and did stand counts. We had the stand. The plants were there. We just didn't get the weather we needed to get the plant populated. The plant pollinated like it needed to be. Well, in a year like this, is there anything you take away or do different, or is it just, hey, we couldn't have done anything different? Uh, this year is just one of them years you just scratch your head out. It's just, I just know also when it comes down to spraying soybeans, too, I, I had to spray some soybeans another time that it's just like, man, if we'd have caught, caught some rains, the soybeans would have grew like they should have. I probably wouldn't have had to spray again. And the corn, I just don't even really know what we could have done different with the corn right now. We fungicided some of our, we fungicide a lot of our corn and looking back, we probably shouldn't have, we probably should have got out and scouted a little more, but it seemed like going into it, it was the right thing to do. And now it might not have been, but with us farming as many acres of corn, we also got to, my thing is too, we got to think about stalk quality to make sure the stalks are still standing by the time we can get to it to get it shelled also. Have you found that with the fungicide, have you been using a ground rig with a, a lot of it? I think that's something you've been doing with quite a bit as opposed to using helicopter or plane. So our corn, we pretty much we do a helicopter on our corn. And we actually, this was the first year we used some drones on some corn down around the forest area because it's something with the Air, St. Louis Airport. We're getting some 
flight restriction areas, but our soybeans, I've uh, come to find out, I feel like I get a lot better job done with running a ground rig, and I do most, of, I do all of our spraying ourselves, so I got all the AB lines set, so I can get pretty close to the same tracks. I know some guys are afraid to run over their beans again, but I feel like a few years ago, uh, two years ago, we had some test strips out in Forestdale, and there were some fields that you pull into, and we were making 80 bushel beans in it, and then you pull in the next field was 40 to 50, and there were some fields that look like you're like, me, and these look like 40 bushel beans. Next thing you know, they're making 60. So I just felt like that year was a year that, man, the fungicide sure paid its paid itself. Do you think with the beans, putting it on with the ground rig does make a big difference then versus the plane or helicopter? I think it does. I don't know. We also never – we haven't really done any trials there. I just feel a lot better when I know I'm putting – I run most of my fungicide at 15 gallons an acre compared to the helicopter, which is running – two gallons an acre i just feel like i get a lot more coverage out there and i also at times if i realize there's some stray cockleburrs or grass or something around the edge i will put a rate of roundup in there or collect them or whatever just to clean up the field if it need be also talk about how the drones have worked i'm guessing you brought somebody else in to to do it but how did it go uh we had brown guard ag service out of bowling green bring their drones in and it seemed to work good i mean they come in and we had about 400 acres of corn lined up for them and they come in and knocked out in one day and it seemed to work good it's probably something we're going to be looking at in the future too just depending on the area if we need to do it again we'll do it again we're standing in front of the short corn plot i'm interested since you cover a lot of acres any thoughts this is probably not the year to look at short corn here because it doesn't it is really short but is it something that you all are considering uh we haven't even actually really talked about it and i didn't really know a whole lot about it other than i've talked to kyle about it some and uh, I don't really know what to think about it, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I mean, uh, looking at these ears right now, it's it wouldn't be my most favorite way to shell corn, especially having to keep the head that low. I sure like to keep that head a lot higher. I like them higher ear sets where you don't take the risk of uh, messing up snoots on a combine head because we messed a couple up last, last fall, and them things are not cheap to fix, I will say that. <laughs> well, looking at this, it looks like you're going to have to run slow and low and try to keep it out of the dirt. Yeah, and that's one thing with uh, the farm I work for. Some of them guys, they don't like that slow and low kind of aspect. They like to go the high and fast and keep on moving, and this definitely would not fit into what they would like to do. Yeah. One thing that we talked about a little bit here today was SDS, and you mentioned you have not seen a lot of it, but is that, do you think, weather? Is it something you're doing? Because other places in the country have been hit really hard this year, it seems like. Uh, we've started to see a little bit, and I just and at times it's hard to tell. I haven't really got out in the fields and scouted it real hard, but I think some of it too might be the beans starting to change, but we have seen a little bit. I just don't know how much it's going to hurt our yield because I feel like a lot of our beans were where they need to be when it finally started to show up. We usually do a full treatment on our soybeans every year too. So I hope that helps some and I hope the fungicide helped a little bit also. Have you been doing anything with cover crops, carbon programs, any of those types of things? You're covering a lot of acres, so sometimes it can be difficult to manage all of that. Yeah, we've done a few few years we've done some cover crops, but one of those years that didn't we did a bunch of cover crops and then it kind of caught up to us because we couldn't get it terminated early in the spring and it's just one of the things we don't do a whole lot of the car uh, the cover crop stuff but the only like the carbon program we're not really doing much with the carbon program i'm working with adm some on some of their uh sustainability programs they got coming out now that will pay you a, a premium for your soybeans depending on your tillage 
practices and your yield and fertilizer applications and stuff like that. This area, the marketing of the grain, are you mostly just strictly corn and bean rotation back and forth? Are you growing more beans? Because I know this part of the area a lot of times has bean on bean a lot of times. There are some years we are bean heavy. This year we were corn heavy just because of the way we got some ripping ripping done in the fall, so we wanted to plant some more corn. We were generally a bean and corn uh, rotation. We do plant a little bit of wheat every so often, just some of our tougher ground that we know we don't necessarily want to plant corn on, and we've had beans in it for you know two or three years. We will plant wheat on that, but most of the time we're just mainly corn and soybeans. Well, I appreciate the talk. No problem. Thanks a lot. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Remember, you can follow Farming the Countryside and our daily show, American Countryside, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Just type in Farming the Countryside or American Countryside. And remember, you can hear these shows in a variety of ways as well at farmingthecountryside.com, on many local radio stations, or your favorite podcast platform. If you miss one of those shows, just go back to one of those platforms where we have an archive of past shows and topics that I think you'll find useful. I appreciate you joining me. I'm Andrew McRae. I'll catch you next time on Farming the Countryside. This edition of Farming the Countryside has been brought to you by Pivot Bioproven 40 OS, the nitrogen you need now on seed. Learn more at pivotbio.com and by Nationwide and their farm certified agents. Where might your farm and home not be protected? Go to nationwide.com slash Andrew for answers to help protect your next.